0: Welcome to the hashtag Firestarters series on the Power of Investing in People podcast. What is a Firestarter, you might ask? Well, it all started out to bring other leaders together inside a book. And we quickly realized that this was something bigger than the moment that we are living in. We are creating a movement. The hashtag Firestarters book project is a collection of creative thought leaders who are collaborating planning, directing, organizing, and creating new ideas to navigate change. We understand that a single match, if left alone, will fizzle out quickly. Therefore, when one match ignites another, we build a stronger fire. We start with a tiny spark that ignites hope, creativity, curiosity, fearlessness, connection, kindness, collaboration, mindfulness, Community, acceptance, purpose, contribution, and love into the world. That single spark creates a ripple effect, then gains momentum and spreads like wildfire. We create a collective, positive, proactive shift in the world because we are the change we want to see. Together, we are Firestarters. So join the movement today at Firestarters Book Project. Com. And in today's episode, our special guest, Alba Soto, is a co-author in the Hashtag Firestarters book project. She is also a certified trauma coach, transformational speaker, author, Reiki practitioner, podcast host, and nurse supervisor. We discuss her chapter on childhood trauma and the power of surrender when birthing new ideas. Stay tuned for more from her inspiring chapter, you won't want to miss it.
1: Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shea Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shea and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all-access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at TimLaneFitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show.
0: Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast, Firestarters series. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business. And today, my guest is an incredible, inspiring, empowering woman that I am honored to call friend and co-author, Alba Cadora Soto. Did I say that correctly?
1: Alba Cordero Soto.
0: Cordero Soto. Thank you. So welcome to the show, Alba.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I'm so excited. Um, definitely excited to get together with my Leo sister. Yes.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And Alba, you are just just in the a year and few months that I've known you. You have just blossomed into such a uh, a force to be reckoned with. So I'm so excited to kind of really dive in and share who you are, your inspiration for your chapter and, you know, where you're going next. So for those of you who don't know, Alba is a trauma liberation coach, transformational speaker, co-author, Re- reiki practitioner, author, podcast host and new nurse supervisor. She is also just an amazing human being. And when you read her chapter, you will be inspired and empowered to take action and be the change. And speaking of being the change, that is the title of your chapter. So before I quote you, because I do have some amazing things that you have written, little nuggets, I just want to ask, first of all, like, You know, what really motivated you to be part of this Firestarters book project when you, you kind of met us and CLB and and myself and you were like, you know what? Why not? Let me be a part of this. What really motivated you?
1: Well, I will say it was a divine like intervention slash timing, really, because I was in the midst of really Diving deep into my purpose, diving deep into my calling and really surrendering to this bigger purpose that I am. Mm -hmm. In the midst of that and trying to surrender, this amazing opportunity came up and the instantly the magnetic attraction there, like all of the amazing ideas and and (laughs) I didn't realize how amazing and perfect like divine appointment it was for me until I actually met all of the authors like when I met the two of you guys I was like oh my god this is meant to be I'm excited and I was like Musa you have to come on too because this is an amazing amazing train you don't want to miss this one so it was definitely the time of like just surrendering to this bigger assignment was ultimately what made me say yes
0: Mm, I love that Surrendering, and I love that you you did surrender because you have such a, a gift with your words, and you know your story is is literally like I said, it's empowering, inspiring, and trans inspiring and empowering all at once. So I'm going to read an excerpt from your chapter, and I do have to put on my glasses, <laughs> Alba. And here's the cover of the book. Isn't that beautiful? Just beautiful. Such, a, such a beautiful book. So let me just say, Alba starts with, I began my first addiction, people-pleasing. I would do anything for my father's approval. I needed to be seen as the good girl because deep down I felt the opposite. My father was very much emotionally unavailable. And while he provided and was there physically, he wouldn't show love you know, that part just really spoke to my heart because I had the same uh, relationship with my father. He was also emotionally unavailable. And I just feel like that is something that's really not discussed or talked about in the, in, in the depth that really needs to be talked about. So with having a father who is emotionally unavailable, how did that shape you as a child and young woman?
1: So it's a little bit bigger than emotionally unavailable. I'm going to have a transparent moment and say that my father's a narcissist. And in being a narcissist, it makes it really difficult for you to see life outside of yourself. And children are more like trophies that when they can make you look good, it's appealing. But the day-to-day, you know, what it takes to actually sustain Uh, a child is not there. So what I would say is that the way that shaped me growing up is that I was able to lean on and rely on other people to be able to get that love that I was looking for. So in terms of people pleasing, I was able to use my love of school and my love of learning to be able to adapt and get that you know, the praise that a child so deeply wants from my teachers and guidance counselors and church and things of that nature. So I was able to figure out how to maneuver through that very challenging situation. And it wasn't until I became an adult mm-hmm. and I ended up, I ended up attracting the same person that was emotionally unavailable and narcissistic, such as My father, and it wasn't until I was in that relationship and I recognized what I was dealing with with a partner (sighs) that I had to escape from, that I had to, you know, deal with the whole mess of what it's like to get out of a narcissistic relationship. It wasn't until after that and I was dealing with a lot of issues with custody battles and different things in the court systems and and, and things of that nature that I realized that things could really get that ugly. And I was able to recognize that a lot of these traits that this person has, my dad has. Mm. And it's almost like history repeating itself in terms of a trauma cycle or generational curses that just kind of continue. I was living the life of my mother mm. with a narcissistic partner who was using the children as pawns and I had to figure out how to navigate through this very familiar territory, even though it was, it was foreign, but familiar at the same time, if that makes sense. So as I was navigating through those, I didn't realize until just recently, like, Oh my God, what a blessing that was for me to be able to learn how to navigate through that. So now I can help my children who have a narcissistic parent navigate through the emotional roller coaster that is the love bombing that is, you know, the being put on a shelf and being taken out to as a trophy like, oh, now I have this new friend that I want to introduce you to. So let me go ahead and, and use you because it benefits me. It makes me look good. And recognizing that I've learned a thing or two, not just from having a father that was emotionally unavailable and being with a partner that also exhibited the same traits. It's like now I get to prepare my children so that we can actually break it break this cycle. It ends now and here. So I'm so fired up. I'm so excited that my lived experiences up until now have equipped me with exactly what I needed so that I can really take a look at my reflection Mm. and reflection, meaning who I am, who I am deep within and who I was. Yes. I'm able to look back in the mirror as well and recognize that all of those moments brought me to this moment here where I am this, Amazing mother, trauma liberation coach, transformational speaker that I'm over here breaking cycles in every aspect of life and helping to liberate others just by being vulnerable and sharing my stories, sharing my truth. And as hard as it is to speak my, my truth and I, and I just remember how vulnerable I was in that chapter and how powerful it is to share in that vulnerability. There's a lot of courage and vulnerability. So. I I'm excited. It's just it's a blessing. It is a blessing to have had the life that I had as challenging as it is. It definitely helps
0: me to become the person that I am today. Wow, wow, wow. So many nuggets I want to take after there out of that. So, yeah, I had very similar again, a very similar father and you just hit the nail on the head that they use the kids as trophies. So, how can they you know, prove that they're worth something because their kids are worth something. Right. And what a beautiful testament to how you are able to really learn, heal. And I always say that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And now you're the teacher and the student have appeared not only with your clients, but in your own family and your own children. And you're such an amazing mother and you have such a beautiful family and, you know, share with us how many, share with the listeners, how many children do you have now?
1: I have five beautiful children. They range in ages from 11 till two months old. I definitely always have wanted to have a large family. And I'm so excited because for me, birth is such a powerful experience for me. I have had five home births Mm -hmm. and I love the ability to just have my birthing dream come true. And when I think back and I think of like my most powerful self, my most empowered self, it is what I am giving birth unassisted and just in my home. And I have a midwife come over, but it's like very much like I'm in my own space in my own Zen and, it just reminds me of the beauty of, again, the word surrender. So yeah. like to surrender to the different stages of labor, surrendering to the different physiological things that happen. And it's similar to the way I experience, for example, grief. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm in the process of grieving a friend. And in that process of grieving, there are different experiences that we go through from the denial phase to the you know bargaining and and things of that nature and the way i view the the process of grief in terms of surrendering is similar to how i view birth. So for example, when my body is having, you know, the nausea in the beginning of now having a new seed growing inside of me, I surrender to that. I surrender to that because I understand that the more I resist, the more it will persist. And then when I go into the different, you know, the pre-labor phase, and I'm having Braxton Hicks contractions, or I'm having, you know, labor pains, or I'm having these different things I surrender to that and by surrendering I allow it to flow through me and then ultimately I get past that phase into the next phase and the next phase and the next phase and I in in really being able to tap into the inner I am which is that my body is perfectly capable of giving birth naturally and safely at home By surrendering to that, I've been able to have two (laughs) pain-free births. My last two births were pain-free. And it was very amazing that... Like Now, mind you, I've heard of orgasmic births, and I want one of those. Sign me up for one of those, <laughs> right? Perhaps not there yet. <laughs> Can't say I've had one of those. Um, but I've had the ability to have a pain-free birth as a result of simply surrendering, mm-hmm. To the different stages and the different processes similar to how I would say how we should just surrender to the sadness, surrender to the loss, surrender to the uncomfortable different parts of our lives so that we can allow it to flow through us so that we can move on to the next stage of our lives as we continue to grow and blossom. Mm. There are parts of us that must die in order for
0: us to become who it is that we were destined to be. Which is, you know, back to the title of your chapter, be the change, right? You really are the epitome of, you know, becoming and being the change and not even in in order to, just being the change. And the great benefit of being that change is because you, like I said before, you get to heal yourself. And then you can really be an example for, again, not only your children, but your client's And now you're helping others. And now you're an example of what a pain-free birth can look like, which as I usually were talking, it really made me think of almost like a rebirth, how you're rebirthing yourself in that process is what giving birth to a child. You're going through a rebirth.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And for me, I, Every time I'm birthing a new project or my purpose, mm-hmm. um, my book, you know what I mean? When I'm, when I'm in the process of birthing a new project, I do see it as the same physiological process of surrendering and just really having that rebirth, that reincarnation. And with some of the things that like as of recently, just kind of thinking about birth and the rebirthing process, I, In the midst of giving birth to my daughter, I was thinking about the birth of my other daughter, Naima, and how during that birth I was in a very toxic relationship. Mm. And I never actually had the opportunity to grieve or to deal Mm. with the pain that happened during that birth because I was in the midst of nursing school. I was in, you know, I was doing a lot of what I call really just hyper-achieving to run away from my problems. So I was trying to check off all the boxes and do all the things that would keep me busy enough to not have an idle mind because my thoughts were definitely not in the best place. So there was this, this art of avoiding and I was getting, you know, positive reinforcement for the Mm -hmm. behavior. Cause it's like, great. You graduated nursing school. Great. You got a job. You know, I was doing all the things, all the things. And, Really, I'm I'm recognizing that that is one of the major ways that people such as myself deal with the trauma is to run really fast in a direction of hyper-achieving in yes. order to not be still and listen to your thoughts or deal with the trauma or deal with the pain. But ultimately, it does bleed into other aspects of our lives. So I recognized that there was... This this blockage that I had as a result of not healing from that birth that I had with my daughter mm. and not dealing with, you know, the disconnection that I had with this growing seed inside of me. And I had this thing where I was just almost like I came out of my body and my body mm. was just living and I wasn't actually spiritually invested in my journey because it was so traumatic that I just disconnected, disassociated with myself and disassociated with this growing seed inside of me. And it wasn't until I was able to experience the opposite that I was able to say, you know what, that experience that I had with the birth of my daughter requires some TLC, it requires mm. some attention it requires me to really dive deeper into that process and surrender to the pain that i experienced surrender to that and i also had to even take take a step back cuz my mom recently shared with me that her birth with me was so traumatic mm that like she actually blocked off the entire birth. Not only was it because she had multiple medical complications. My mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer prior to giving birth to me and was told that she couldn't have any more children. Wow. But when she found out I was pregnant, she decided to go ahead and move forward with the pregnancy. But it was not an easy pregnancy. It was very complicated. And my dad also had left... The Dominican Republic, which is where I was born, to come to the United States. So she was also felt abandoned in the mm-hmm. sense that she didn't have someone there during this very sick birth, like a birth that she was experiencing a lot of physical ailments. She couldn't really eat. There were so many things that were going on. Wow. So she was there with his family. And his family weren't, <laughs> they weren't really nice to her. Mm. It was almost as if she was just there as a burden to them because of how difficult that entire experience was for, for her. She totally forgot about mm. my birth altogether. And there was one thing that she did tell me about that it was rather traumatic, but my mom, During the birth, she was heavily medicated Mm. and the medication that they gave her actually paralyzed her from half of her body. So she, it was like as if the anesthesia only worked on half of the body and not the other half. And she was also having a lot of other issues with her blood pressure and things of that nature. So she had a C-section. They took me out of her. And when they brought her back, brought me back to her to like connect me with her, she was not mentally there. Like there was this, she wasn't in her own like mental wellness, I'll say. And it's partly to do with the drugs, partly to do with the trauma. And when they handed her, handed me to her, she actually threw me because she thought that I was a boy. Oh my goodness. And I had a cut in my head, which they, so they sewed me up. I was in the hospital. Luckily it was not, not much, you know, Mm -hmm. and That was my birth. Wow. That was my experience coming into the world. And I had to understand that the trauma that I experienced in utero and in birth and coming into this world also affects me and is Mm -hmm. also there in my womb space. So I noticed that there was this energy blockage that was happening in my womb space. And my womb space is where I create and flow, meaning my purpose is birthed to through there, my books, my all of the things are birthed through this creative womb space. And as I'm sitting here and processing and dealing with this pain and the sadness of my birth, my daughter's birth, and and really stepping deeper into myself i realize that i too need to surrender that and allow myself to experience the hurt and the sadness and the pain so that way it can flow through me mm-hmm. and therefore there is space for creativity there is space for my business there is space for me to live on purpose and to continue to be that light for others. So I can continue to be that curse breaker so I can Mm -hmm. continue to, to just evolve and grow into who I am destined to be.
0: Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Yes. You know, what a thank you for sharing that story about your mom and, and, and you as well. It just reminds me of how trauma is it gets in our DNA and so generational and we overlook that but if your parents your grandparents have really experienced some sort of trauma you're going to be carrying that with you and not even recognize it and not even know it and I might add if you are a emotionally unavailable person or a narcissist you're not even going to care Right, so the fact that you have done the work, and then you recognize that you weren't even al- allowing yourself to feel—that you just said, "I'm avoiding this too," just like the the narcissist and the emotionally unavailable avoid—you were avoiding yourself, and so you were like, "No, I'm not doing this anymore," and to just like you said, surrender to it if there's anyone who's listening to this that's saying, you know, what I, I i mean i understand what surrender means but i don't really know how to go about it is there any kind of, you know, your coaching, your your tips, your tricks, your tools, anything that you would suggest to them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I was actually just trying to find the right words to to say last week and some content because I figured I say surrender enough. I live in that state of surrender. How can I really explain it to Mm -hmm. others? Right. And I have been, you know, lucky to be able to have, you know, people in my life who mirror that and who continue to embody that as well as a book that I was reading recently by Coop Blackson, the magic of surrender. So I'm going to try to gather everything that I've learned about surrender and just, and just really say it very eloquently in essence, what surrendering is, is really giving up control Mm -hmm. from the perspective of the ego state from the egoic state. So, and it is allowing the greater I am the creator, God, to ultimately take the wheel. You know, I say, Jesus, take the wheel, right? To take the wheel and guide us, knowing that I am, am destined for something greater than I can even imagine with my small I am. The small I am being the ego. The ego is attached to career, is attached to titles, is attached to certain things that, Somehow make us who we are. So the first step for me was really just shedding away the different roles that I identified with Mm. that make me who I am as the little I am. Right. So I had to understand that I am bigger than or more than my greatest accomplishments, which is being a mom. I'm more Mm. than that. I had to understand that I am greater than being a wife. I'm more than that. I had to understand that I am greater than being an addictions nurse. Mm. So if I were to be in a situation where I lost these identities, these roles, I still am who I am. Yes. And those things took some time for me to first understand the, how insignificant these roles are in the greater I am. And for example, I I went through the process of understanding from somebody else's lived experience of what it's like to lose a child. Mm. And even in the loss of a child, it doesn't take away who I am as a person. Because I'm not just identified as a mother. Mm -hmm. I'm bigger than that. I'm more than that, right? I recently had to deal with the reality that I may not continue to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. I love being a nurse, but that's not all of me. And if Mm -hmm. tomorrow something were to change and say, you know what? You can no longer function as a nurse, I still have a purpose. I still have a calling. I still am who I am despite these roles. So what I will say is the first step is being able to recognize that these roles that we identify with are a part of the smaller I am and not the greater I am that is within And then the next stage is to really go through a deep dive in terms of something that I just talked about, which is really the grieving process. Because before you can surrender, you must grieve the loss of your old self. You must be willing to surrender in these little teeny stages, right? Mm -hmm. Surrendering to the, hey, right now I'm in denial. Just, just be in that. Yeah. Allow it to flow through you. Recognize that that is an important process that has to happen in order for you to get to the state of acceptance. And then when you're bargaining, accept that, right? Surrender to the moment, the present moment, what is trying to flow through me and As I am working through this, the different stages of grief, I ultimately get to the point of acceptance, right? So when I accept the fact that I have grown out of the snakeskin, that was the old me. And I'm okay with shedding this snakeskin because at this point, it's cracking in all kinds of areas, (laughs) It has yes. so many, you know, different like it's 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 no longer shiny and pretty anymore. It doesn't suit me. These these shoes that I had on before are too tight and too worn out. Like this is not gonna take me to the next destination or the next phase of my life, the next chapter, the next book, whatever. I cannot take the old me with me. Therefore, I must be willing to let go. And shed this old snakeskin. So if I'm willing to let go now that I've accepted it, right? Now I'm ready to let go and surrender. I can now be brighter, shine and fly higher. Like I can do all of those things because I was able to grieve the loss of my old self. Mm -hmm. In order to become who I am today and in order for me to go into the next stage. So until I get uncomfortable again. And then when I get uncomfortable again, that means I've outgrown the shoes that I was wearing. They're no longer comfortable. They don't fit. So then I have to do that state, do that process again. And the interesting part is that when I first experienced, you know, surrender, right? I surrendered in my relationship. That was the first thing that I surrendered to. And then I realized it's not enough to just surrender in one aspect of your life and watch miracles happen in that aspect of your life. You now have to look at other aspects of mm-hmm. your life and also surrender to that and let miracles happen. So then I started looking at my, my healing. I said, let me surrender to that. Mm. And I wonder what's going to happen there. Right. At first it was this scary, you know, experience. I was avoiding running and all this stuff. It's like, let me try something different. (laughs) Let me try surrendering to my healing Mm. and liberation happened. And I'm just such a happier person (laughs) as a result of surrendering to my healing. I then was able to step into my purpose And I surrendered to that. And in surrendering to that, here I am today. So it's like, really, it's actually harder not to surrender than it is to (laughs) surrender. Because when you do surrender, you're in a state of flow Mm -hmm. where everything is just aligned. There's no forcing it. There's no running from it. So I... I think surrendering is a life t- lifelong journey, similar to healing is a lifelong journey, but it definitely happens in those stages where you have to be willing to accept where you are. Like first, I first disidentify dis- dis- with the different roles in your life that the smaller I am identifies with, then going into the stages of grief so that you can grieve the loss of your old self and then ultimately completely letting go. And you can't skip any of those steps because when you do skip any any of those steps in terms of resistance, then it mm-hmm. will persist and you'll be in that stage for a lot longer than you need to as a result of you avoiding or resisting it.
0: You mentioned our friend Kutbackson in his book, Surren- Magic of Surrender, and it is such a great book. I'm so glad you mentioned that because if anyone is reading that and they really want to do a deep dive, like Alba said, and really figure this surrender out, that is definitely the book that I would recommend as well. He has such a way of not only explaining it, but then giving his own story about it. And thank you for sharing your st- surrender story because for me, it's all of those things you said, and that control piece is so crucial. And I think that's the thing about people who are emotionally unavailable and um, narcissistic is they want that control. And now here we're on this complete opposite of that dichotomy of letting go and releasing control. And it's not about letting go. It's about releasing. There is a different flow, like you said, when you release rather than let go. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Thank you for sharing such powerful work that you've done. And I just want to touch base on kind of really what you just said, because kind of wraps up what you said in uh, your chapter. And you say that I know that the greater the fire, the greater the transformation. Trauma has been my greatest teacher. And now I am sharing the tools that I have learned with the world. I am the change that I have been looking for. And you went from that little I am to the big I am. Yes. Yes. So with all of the things that you're doing with the trauma coaching and the, the being a mother and letting go of your identity and all the different areas, is there advice that you would give that somebody is listening to you and in our, our interview right now. And they're like, you know, Alba, I mean, you've gone through all these things. You're an overcomer. You're an achievement. You are an achievement. Your whole life is an achievement and you've achieved so many things, but I don't think I could write a book. So is there a write a chapter? Is there any advice that you would give?
1: Well, yes. Anybody can write a chapter. So let me share my journey of writing my book, Trauma Liberation, my roadmap to overcoming trauma, which is my second baby that I'm in the process of really just growing inside of me and I will be birthing. <laughs> um, and I'll I'll just share with you a simple way that you could approach this. Because for some people that I hear, they, they think like, because you know, their grammar or because of English is their second language or because of, you know, whatever nuances or challenges or even that voice that tells you like you can't or you're not good enough or you can't do this. There are so many different ways that you can go about doing this. One, the, the first thing that I'll say is that that's what they got editors for. Okay. If, <laughs> listen, if they didn't like, if everyone was expected to have perfect grammar, Then editors would be out of a job. Okay. So let's say that there are editors for that. But I will also share with you my process of writing my book, Trauma Liberation. So, what I do is I actually record myself saying my story Mm -hmm. with my words. So, I do a video recording and then I go back and re listen to it and, and watch myself. And then after I watched myself saying it, then I write it. Mm. So it serves multiple purposes for me because I'm writing from a place of healing. And some of yes. these things I haven't actually faced and now mm. they were like swept under the, the rug for me and now they're resurfacing and I'm having to process these things. So since I'm writing a roadmap to overcoming the trauma, it's important for me to allow myself to process that in different stages. Yeah. So it's one thing to say it with your words. It's super easy. It's like you're calling a friend and just sharing a really, you know, Hey girl, guess what happened? (laughs) (laughs) And then I just go ahead and say it as it Mm -hmm. comes, right. There's no Mm -hmm. need for fancy smancy talk and all that stuff. Just, I'm having a conversation and the best books are actual conversations. So by taking the time to record myself, documenting my my book, my story, and then going back and listening to it, I'm able to then process it a second time by disconnecting, like really like disassociating from the person in the video and the person now I'm no longer in that. And now I get to see it. And by seeing it, I'm able to then experience it from a different perspective, like from a viewer's perspective. And after I expose myself a second time, now I'm ready to write my chapter. Because not only do I have the experience of saying it from my own words, but now I heard it in my own words. And now I can go ahead and say it the way I, the way I want it to be understood, so by taking your phone and recording yourself, it's just as easy as writing a book. I say do it. <laughs> we all have amazing stories. We all have amazing experiences. We all have amazing creativity. I know when I first was given the message of, you're an, you're an author, you're going to write your story. It's actually interesting because it came back to me and I want to share this with you guys.
0: This bird came to me. And the bird that she's showing is a parrot for the listeners. Yes. So
1: this parrot came to me and the way this parrot came to me is the the bird is very unique in that it can fly high and reach all kinds of you know heights as well as um like places and Mm -hmm. it flies like who doesn't want to fly like you know as well as the bird's eye view you're able to see things from a whole different angle and perspective you're up in the sky Mm -hmm. looking down but with the parrot it's very unique because the parrot has the ability to speak so my gift is not only to fly high And to have a different perspective from a healed perspective, Mm -hmm. but also it's to use the gift that I was given, which is my voice, because communication has always been an art form for me. Yeah to liberate myself by sharing my story and giving other people permission to also be liberated wow. as well. So when the bird came back to me just last week, it was a reminder that I'm on the right track. It was a reminder mm-hmm. that I need to continue to tell my story, speak my truth. And it's very raw, authentic, authentic, and, and, and really vulnerable states because somebody needs to hear that so that they too can be liberated.
0: Yes, you just were spot on, hit the nail on the head when you say, when you share your story, it gives the other person, person permission to be liberated. That is absolutely true. That's why stories, books, movies is so important because we're being authentic and truthful and vulnerable and really sharing the, the obstacles, the muck and the yuck. You know, we're not just talking about all the wonderful things. We're really diving in and, you know, shedding, shedding a light that you can take those things that you've gone through and use that light to light your soul on fire with your purpose, which is what Alba, you've been discussing. And so it's just such a beautiful, beautiful way to wrap everything up. And so, uh, I just have a few more questions, um, before we, before we go, cause as you can tell, we could talk for hours. What do you want to share about your experience with the, the Firestarters book project?
1: The whole process was so easy and like it was just divine timing more than anything. When I first said yes, I didn't understand like the different steps that it would be. I didn't understand how long the process would take. I didn't understand none none of it. I was just like, God said, say yes. I'm saying yes. And yes, it is. And I'm here for it. And when it came time to write my chapter, I remember this, this voice in my head trying to tell me that, you know, like, okay, like you have a great story, but you don't have a good ending. Like what are you, how are you gonna end mm. your chapter, right? And that was my biggest obstacle. My obstacle was like, how do I end my chapter? Mm. And as I sat there and I, I prayed about it and I, I surrendered, it was like the chapter's already written, honey. Like, why are you stressing over the ending? It's already done. And to know that it is finished and mm-hmm. I am a working progress, I am still under construction, was ultimately... The way I went through that process of just writing my chapter and then of course from there, once the chapter was done, <laughs> it was easy because it was like the editor's gonna handle this, the Shay got this, I don't have to worry about this, I don't have to worry about that, I don't have to worry about the formatting, nothing. All I have to do is when I get it, put my second eyes on it, give the go and here we are. And I will say too, even the time that it took to go from writing to publishing and having the book in my hand was also very divine timing because I remember when I got my book in the mail I needed that gift Mm. I needed to gift myself an accomplishment to remind myself of who am I right you're a fire starter so don't, don't 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 doubt don't Don't run away. Don't hide. Like, this is who you are. And you needed that reminder. And I feel like what that book is, is a reminder to everybody who reads it, not just because my chapter, but because every single person who's in this chapter, I mean, in this book, every single one of them, like I sat there and I was just enjoying every single aspect, highlighting, just taking nuggets out of every single person. And I really do feel like each person was divinely picked for this book for this reason. So it was very seamless and Mm. divine, the entire process. And even like everything, I just think it was divine timing and easy. Hmm.
0: Well, thank you. you bring tears, eyes. <laughs> that's how we would hope—hope hope that the experience—and we prayed for every meeting. So hope, and we're so glad to, to hear that that it's easy and divine timing, because that's that's what uh, CLB Christine and I believe. So thank you for that. Okay. And so you know, we're getting ready to close. So please, I know that you This process has really sparked you into now doing another book by yourself. So tell us, you know, how can people connect with you? How can they stay informed on when your, your next book comes out and how can they order this book?
1: Awesome. So my, you can find me on all social media platforms as Alba Soto TLC. My website is Alba And I will, on the bottom of this. I think you're going to add the link to be able to purchase yep. the Firestarters book as well. And I'm excited because as soon as I get it in, I'm going to be autographing all of the books and sending out an autographed copy of my very first book project, Firestarters. So that's how you could get that. And if you go on my website and sign up to the email list, then you can get updates on when my new book comes out, as well as all of the amazing services that I am offering.
0: As as well as courses and soon to be all the things, all the things that are coming up for you. I'm so excited for you, Alba. Thank you. And yeah, at the link at the bottom for our listeners who aren't watching the video, it's firestartersbookproject.com forward slash Alba, A-L-B-A. Wow. So I have one final thing to read from your chapter, but I almost feel like I want to ask it at the end or say at the end, I want to ask one more question first. So I always end um, my interviews with what phrase, scripture or mantra are you living by right now? Be still and know that I am. Mm, Absolutely. And that you have, you know, conveyed that throughout the whole interview about being surrendering. And so thank you. It's a great reminder. You also have quoted in your chapter, another author that I also love and identify with Eckhart Tolle. And you uh, quote him of saying, the fire of your suffering will become the light of your consciousness. And what is just so beautiful to wrap up all the things that you've shared, your amazing heart and your grace and what you've healed is just remarkable. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shea Sparks. Until next time, let's get fired up. Did you know that when you share the knowledge that you gained from an experience, it becomes wisdom? There is power in sharing your voice of wisdom inside a book to leave a legacy for generations to learn from your experience and then add collaborating with other leaders. Your legacy makes an even bigger impact. Like co-author Joe Bogdan, who shares in his chapter, how being better has no finish line. He said his experience in the hashtag Firestarters book project has been nothing short of amazing. From him being a first-time author, he loved our supportive approach and we earned his trust immediately. If you're curious about joining the next collection of Firestarters co-authors, then join the movement today at FirestartersBookProject.com.